0: Come on now, who's excited we serve a good God this morning? Would you make some noise? Come on. You could be seated. So good to see you guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. If you first time, first time in a long time, welcome to Better Life Church. You know, we kicked off a series in January talking about seeking God and how do you get in position to hear God speak? And, and we're as a corporate, uh, as a body of believers, we're praying, God, what's next for Better Life Church? What do you have for us? And so I'm just gonna continue to remind you of that church as you continue to pray that God will give us wisdom in his sermon to show us what's next, what does he want us to do, and where does he want us to go. If you're visiting with us the first time or first time again in a long time, God is up to something great in this region. We're actually, we're a one church, but we're in two locations. And right now we have a live campus in Grayson, Kentucky. We love you guys. Can we get up for a Grayson campus right now? God is doing something this reason as he continues to expand the influence here. We just want to seek after him and do whatever the Lord wants us to do. Well we're in this series called EXO and it's a relationship series. And it's talking about how do you have how do you have a game plan or how do you win in your relationships? It could be a dating relationship, it could be a a, a co-worker kind of boss relationship, it could be a marriage relationship. How do you win in your relationships? And last Sunday night. We had our second ever, ever marriage night. And I'm telling you, if you were at marriage night uh, at both of our campuses, come on Grace, if you were at marriage night this past Sunday night, could you make a little bit of noise if you were here? Come on now. I'm telling you, it was great. It was awesome. We had over 100, we had 130 married couples show up. I mean, that is awesome because we believe if we want a strong church, we have to have a strong family. If you want strong families, it's based on strong marriage. And so we, we saw 130 married couples show up last week and then we had so much fun and it was such a good time. And I always started looking ahead because my wife, I went over my messages and stuff with her. She goes, you got to cut a little bit. You got too much. You're going to preach too long, son. And we had to cut back some stuff. So I've already got some things I'm ready for next year. But next year, oh my goodness, marriage night is going to be on Valentine's Day on February 14th, 2021. I know that the team don't even know that yet. I like, because every year when it comes to events, you know, we have no sacred cows around here at Bear Life Church. If it's something don't work, we cut it. You know what I'm saying? So we just move as fast as we feel like God wants us to move and things that we don't care to start new initiatives. So every year we think about events and we're like, are we going to do the event? We're not going to do the event. Do we really feel like it add value? Did it really benefit, you know, the church and really benefit people? people and marriage night was one of those nights we will do it next year again I'm already ready I've got so many ideas that I can't wait to share but anyway anyway before we jump into that we're back in our series cause XO talking about relationships talking about how to win in your life coming off the marriage night I want to continue with that because marriage really is meant for a lifetime When you think about it, God designed marriage between one man and one woman for the rest of their life. Now, I know that's not politically correct, but it is biblically correct. Between one man, one woman for the rest of their life. It was was meant to last. I believe this. I believe every one of us are looking for a love that lasts a lifetime. A love that lasts forever. Everybody, you know, feels that way. And it well, it at least, I mean, when you go to the altar, I believe no one's really trying to think about how am I going to get out of this? Do I really want to spend the rest of my life with this? I mean, when you go to the altar, right? Well, unless you're a gold digger. If you're a gold digger, then we got another whole problem, right? <laughs> you got some other issues here. But most people go to the altar to say their vows because they want to have a love that lasts for a lifetime. But here's the problem. Problem. Most people treat marriage as a contract, not a covenant. A contract does everything to protect me. So if it doesn't work out the way things don't work out, boom, I got a clause right here in a contract, I can bounce. But a contract is different than a covenant. A covenant means I relinquish all my rights, I give everything to you, I completely surrender it all to you. See, marriage is a covenant, not a contract. See, think about this. Have you thought about the vows that you said on your on your wedding day? Some of you, you you may remember, some of you may not. Do you remember some of the vows that you thought through that you said? Did you take time to study those vows and really look at, did you really mean what you said when you took your vows? I started thinking about my wife and I, and uh, we've been married over 20 years, and I think about the vows that we made to each other and we said to each other, and and, uh, I I was going to bring up on stage the first service, but if you want a healthy marriage, don't bring your wife up on stage. You don't want to get up on stage. Kind of get a witness, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, okay, don't come up on stage. And uh, and so I look at the vows, and I guarantee you— 95% 95% of this language was probably since one of, your, one of your statements, one of your vows. I said, I, Daniel, take you, Liam, to be my wife, to have and to hold, for better or for worse. Did you think through that one? Right, guys? Right? Like, did you really think through that? Or was you blinded by love and lust and she's so pretty and you're just going to do your thing? Like, for better or for worse? And some is like, a contract says it's got really bad. I didn't know it was going to get this worse. You know what I'm saying? So I'm out. That's what a contract does for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, Like, I didn't know you was going to lose your job. I got a lifestyle to live. I got to go. I got to find somebody going to take care of me, right? I mean, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to cherish and to hold to what? Till death do us part. Sounds like a covenant, not a contract. See, sometimes we don't really think about what we're saying. And you know what we said at the end of that? Here's what we said. Watch this. We were so naive to say, I do. I do. I mean, that's a bad place to say, I don't, right? I mean, that would be a very bad place. I don't do that. Change the language there, bro. No, I don't want to do that one. Like, I do. So when you think about marriage today, listen, 41% of marriages today actually end up in divorce. 41%. 60% of second marriages end up in divorce. And the statistic goes on and on and on and on, and on. So listen to me. If this is your second marriage, your third marriage, or your fourth marriage, I'm not here to, to beat you up. You know this is a life church. You know, we can't go back and change what happened in the past. Sometimes we have to go backwards to move forward to be healed. We talked about baggage last week. Maybe you have some relationship baggage you don't want to carry into your new marriage. But listen, how about today? How do you start today to have a love that lasts for a lifetime? How do you to start today to have a love that lasts forever? Because honestly, let's think about it, That's what you want. We all desire that in some form or some fashion in our life. Here's the reality. Anybody can fall in love. But boy, it takes work to stay in love. Anybody can fall in love right? I mean, think about it. We got these middle school and high school students. I love them. I mean, I love them. He's so, love- I mean, he's just so good. He's got me these so roses and chocolate. I love him. How long have you been dating? Six weeks. <laughs> what? Like, you think you know what love is, right? Look, like, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. If you have been married, both of our campuses, both of our campuses, come on, once you participate and you're able to participate. If you're watching online or driving, do not participate in this one. But, um, If you've been married over 25 years, would you please stand to your feet? If you've been married over 25 years. Both campuses, come on, both campuses, stand up. Been married over 25 years, come on. Awesome, come on, let's give it, stay standing, stay standing. Now, if you've been married over 35 years, stay standing, then everybody else sit down. If you've been married over 35 years, stay standing, stay standing. Here's who you go to for marital counsel. These people. Like, really, the reason I want you to stay standing is I want everybody to see you real quick so they come to you and talk to you about the marriage problems. You know what I'm saying? You Thank you, guys. You can be seated. Both campuses. Thank you, guys, so much. Reality. See, everyone who stood up has a love that's been tested because your love will be tested. If you really love someone, it's easy to fall in love, but, boy, it takes work to stay in love. Everyone who stood up, they had to figure out how do they fight through better and for worse because I promise you, it probably got worse before it got Better. For rich or for poor, I bet some of them lost their job and they lost some things in their life and they had to figure out how do we, how do we have finances to fix this? For in sickness and in health, for some of them have cancer or they, a disease or something's happened, they had a battle, then how they're going to figure out this? They know after almost three decades, how do you fight for your marriage instead of fighting against your marriage? Why? Because they want a love that lasts for a lifetime. And that's what I wanna focus on today. And for us to do that, we have to go to the love chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is Valentine's weekend. I know some of you are saying Valentine's on Friday, and today's Sunday, but for me and my bride, it's Valentine's every day. Can I get a witness? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I, I, I'm it's every day. For me, it's Valentine's Day. Now, for her, that's another whole thing. We'll work on that later, another sermon. But for me, it, it's Valentine's Day because, right, you can choose how do you respond. You don't have to wait one time a year to tell your wife you love her or your husband you love her and show that way something special we should be doing this we want a love that lasts for a lifetime so for that to happen we're going to take a test we're going to take a love test and we're going to see do we really really love or not so let's walk through and first Corinthians chapter 13 Paul kind of gives us a love test here let's talk about love just a little bit love is patient okay we've done messed up right there most of us just failed that test right because we're not patient love is patient and love is kind Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Ugh, that one hurts a little bit, doesn't it? If you really love me, then you're going to be kind, you're going to be patient, you're going to be rude because that's really what true love is, right? And this is a love we want that lasts a lifetime, that lasts forever. It does not demand its own way, bro. Most guys probably had a problem right there. Watch this. Or it keeps no record of wrong, ladies. Right? A guy I said the other day, he said, me and my wife, we get in the fight. Every time we get in the fight, she gets historical. I said, historical? You mean hysterical? No, she gets historical. She starts throwing things from the past. She just throws it back, reaches back from it, throws them. How do you know she's not over it? Because she keeps bringing it up. See, love keeps no record of wrong. Remember last month? Remember last year? Remember when you? Love, true love, keeps no record a wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. So how do I have a love like this? How do I have a love that really truly lasts a lifetime? Look at verse 7. Look what he says. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love always hopeful. Love endures through every circumstance. Maybe your translation says love protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Maybe your translation like the NSB or the New Key James or King James says, it bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, and it endures all things. How do I have a love that lasts a lifetime? See, let me tell you something about love. Love's a choice. Do you know that? Love's not just a feeling. Your feelings follow your thoughts. Love is a choice. Somebody's like, I don't love them anymore. It's because you choose not to. Love is a choice. You don't fall out of a feeling. You believe your way. You think your way out of the feeling. Your feeling follows your thoughts. So if you said, I don't love them no more, it's because you're choosing not to love them anymore. Love's a choice. I get to choose if I love. I get to choose if I don't love. And so if you want to love that lasts a lifetime, if you want to love that lasts forever, watch this, it's your choice. You get to choose that type of love. And so in this passage in verse 7, we see there's four choices that you need to make if you want a love that lasts forever, if you want a love that lasts a lifetime. So if you're ready to get started, come on, so let's go. All right, here we go, here we go. Here's the first thing, if I, we gotta choose. I must choose to extend grace. You want a love that lasts forever? Ask the people who just stood up. They made a choice, they're gonna to choose to extend Grace. Your translation may say love protects always or always protects or love bears, bears all things. What does it mean to bear all things? What does it mean to extend grace and bear all things? Well, that word, that word picture of the word bear, think of a, a boat. A boat keeps the water out when it goes through the water. Think of a roof. A roof keeps the rain out or the storm out from coming in the house. That's what, the, that's what the picture of the word bear means. To bear means to, to protect, to cover. Here's what happens. When I bear all things, when I extend grace, watch this, it protects me by keeping resentment and bitterness out of the relationship. And bitterness and resentment will destroy your relationship. The word bear means to cover. I will bear over my wife. I will cover my wife. She will cover me with love. And when she covers me, watch this, it will protect us when she extends grace. And when I'll extend grace from bitterness and resentment that will divide the marriage and the relationship. So when Paul says that love bears all things, what's saying? It covers. It covers. How do I cover my bride? I extend grace to her. How does she cover her husband? She extends grace to me. And I get to choose whether I will extend grace or not extend grace. So if I want a love that bears all things, if I want a love that lasts a lifetime, it is my decision and it's her decision to choose to extend grace. To learn how to give grace to each other. It says in verse seven, it says, love never gives up. Love never gives up. Watch this. Love never gives up when your flaws and your faults irritate me. Does anybody's spouse flaws or fault irritate you? Some of you are smiling right now. I see your elbows going. Grace and their elbow and everywhere over here. Right? I mean, when your flaws or their faults irritate you. I don't know what it is that something about dating couples all the time, but something about the third month, like all the flaws begin to show themselves. The cracks begin to come out, right? Like, oh my gosh, I didn't know it was that gross. You're like, you pick your nose all the time. That's disgusting. Like, I mean, you're like, oh, do like, all the time. Like, you're not nice as you used to be. You used to open the door for me and buy me flowers and tell me I'm pretty, and now you just sit around and play Fortnite with your friends all night. I mean, what's the big deal? Like, I mean, you know, like flaws begin to show. Something about the three-month mark in their dating relationship. But guess what happens? When you say, I do, you begin to see when two people who are sinful, who now become one under the same house, begin to learn each other flaws and faults that you did not see when you were engaged or you were dating. And sometimes they would begin to irritate you. But here's what you got to do. You got to figure out how do I extend grace? Proverbs 7, 9 says this, love prospers when a, a fault is forgiven. But dwelling on it separates close friends. Hopefully you could say you married your best friend. And what does Proverbs say? It says when you don't extend grace to the person's faults that show themselves, what you do is you begin to divide the friendship. You begin to divide the relationship. And so if you want a life love that lasts forever, you have to extend grace. Because you will catch flaws and faults that you didn't know that were there, that have come. But listen, if you want to be here standing up when you're 35 years later in your marriage, 40 years in your marriage, have alone long, you know, the Lord allows you to live through those things. Listen to me, listen to me. You must extend grace. You must extend grace. Paul says this in Ephesians 4 2, Always be humble and gentle. We can stop right there. Just take that right there. Always be humble and gentle and it probably fix a lot of your marriage problems. See you next week, you're done. Marriage counseling over right there, right? To be humble means I'm not thinking about myself, it means I put you first, so I've got to humble myself. Imagine two people who humble themselves, put each other first and so they're gentle. We talked a little bit about this at marriage night, right? With the tone and the words that we communicate. It's all about the tone and how you say things. It says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making an allowance For each other's what? Faults and flaws because of your love. Here, here, let me unpack that for you. When I begin to love my wife and I fill her love tank up, whatever her love language may be, whatever your love languages be, you fill up, you fill up, you fill up, she fills my love tank up. My love tank is getting full, getting full, getting full. And all of a sudden there's a fault, there's a flaw, there's a word, she hurts me or she sins against me, whatever it may be, watch this. And it takes something from me like hurt goes out from me right you see the picture here you withdraw something think of a bank this is a picture here I'm gonna make allowance she's gonna deposit love because there's gonna come a day she's gonna hurt why because we're sinful we're gonna make mistakes and when that hurt withdraws something for me watch this because I'm full of love I have a surplus and my love surplus and my love tank watch this covers, it bears, it protects. It puts a roof so bitterness and resentment can't come into the relationship. Why? Because I've extended grace and she's extended grace and it's filled our love tank up. And watch this, watch this. It protects our marriage. Your spouse will hurt you. Majority of time it will be unintentionally though. You know this, right? I don't go after just trying to intentionally hurt my wife, but sometimes unintentionally I do. And so that's when she extends grace. But thank goodness that our love tank is full. Watch this, it makes allowance. That's what Paul says. makes an allowance for when you are hurt or when you are wrong. You see, if you're always critical of your spouse, then you're not humble. Humble people can't be critical people. So if you're always criticizing your spouse, criticize, criticize, you do this, and you do this, if you do this, and you don't look this way, and you said this, and you don't show me, and, and always just criticize each other. Listen, you're not humble, you're prideful. And what Paul says, you have to humble yourself and be gentle. Make allowance and forgive those, watch this, who hurt you and who wronged you. Because someday their words and action will hurt you. Someday they will sin against you. And Paul reminds us, make an allowance to forgive them. Watch this, so you can remember how the Lord has forgiven you. You want a great marriage? Like, think about it. You want a great marriage? Then you better become a great forgiver. Let me help you out, Bro. One of the greatest things you could say is this. I know it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. Honey, I was wrong and you were right. Can I get a witness, ladies? Don't leave me hanging here. Don't leave me hanging. Listen to me, bro. When you can humble yourself and say, honey, you were right and I was wrong. You know how far that goes? Yeah. You know and she's like, I was just waiting for you to say that. Listen, if you were to say that, it may be good for you later on tonight, bro. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you never know. Just humble yourself. She's like, i was just waiting for you to admit that in the first place. But see, sometimes guys, especially guys, we're just so prideful because we think we always have to be right. And one of the greatest things that have changed our marriage is when I realize when I'm wrong and my wife's right, I said, honey, you're right, I'm wrong. It's right. It's right. And what you think is you think that that, that humbles you, but watch this, but then all of a sudden your wife will come and she lifts you up because love bears all things and we have to be able to extend grace to each other. Listen to what First Peter says. He says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other for love covers, it bears a multitude of sin, hurt, pain, negative words that thrown at you. But love does this, it covers you. It bears all things, that's the picture. It bears, it protects you from resentment. So the first thing I must choose is choose to extend grace. Here's the second thing, I must choose to have faith. I must choose to have faith in this relationship. Choose to have faith in my spouse. I must choose to have faith in God. We could go on and on and on. Look what he says in verse seven. Love never loses faith. Your translation might say it believes, pastuo. It believes, it's an action, it's a continual action belief. It's, a, it's these four verbs we're seeing right here, these four choices. It's pastuo, it says I'm going to love and choose to love and believe all things. I'm gonna believe it in you. I'm going to choose to have faith in you. I'm going to choose to have faith in our marriage. I'm going to choose to have faith. If God can resurrect his son from the dead, he can resurrect our marriage from the dead. See, that's the faith. That's a love that lasts a lifetime. I'm going to choose to love. I'm always going to trust. And what I see a lot of times is people give up way too soon on their marriage. Why? Because they think it's a contract. They give up way too soon. Way too soon. Why? Because they stop believing. They stopped believing that my spouse can change. They stopped believing that there's hope. They stopped believing that it never get fixed. There's a passage found in Mark chapter 6. It's actually a very, it's kind of a, a very terrible event that took place. Jesus goes into this town and it says that he could not, it didn't say he would not, it says that he could not perform miracles in that town because of the people's unbelief. Some of you right now, you have so much unbelief about your marriage, no wonder no miracles are happening. What if you begin to believe? You know what, God, you can fix this marriage. God, you can give us the marriage of our dream. God, you can fulfill the vows that we stood there in front of everybody and in front of you, and we believe that this is a covenant. Now I'm gonna have faith, because I'm never gonna lose faith that I can have the marriage that I've always dreamed of. I mean, have you thought about that? Like love truly never gives up on faith. What could your spouse accomplish if you just believed in them a little bit more? Like you had faith in them a little bit more, but I, I can hear. It. But my spouse, they dropped the ball. They dropped the ball, and I don't know what dropped the ball may be for you. You could go on and on and on. It could be as little as a, a big thing from an affair. It could be as little thing as how what they say to you verbally. It doesn't matter. They've dropped the ball, and because they dropped the ball, I don't trust them no more. How, how, how do you, What do you do when someone drops the ball? You give them back the ball. You see this all the time, right? Come on. When the quarterback goes and plays and his best receiver throws the ball and the best receiver drops the ball, what's it? The quarterback goes, calls the plays and goes right back to him again to let him know, I believe in you. That's not defined you. I know you dropped the ball, but you can catch this, I believe. And builds their trust right back up. But I know what someone's saying. I don't trust my spouse. Can that, wouldn't that be a terrible place to be? That you live on edge going, oh my gosh, why are they home late? Why, why they come home late? What's going on at work? Is there somebody at work? What's going on their Instagram? What's going on their Facebook? What's going on their phone? Listen to me, listen, to me! listen, 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 listen to me. If your spouse has a passcode on their phone and they won't share it with you, something's up. Listen to me, something's up. If you cannot give your phone to your spouse at any time they want to look at it, check your email, check your Facebook message, check anything you want. If they deny you any of those things, listen, something is up. If you don't believe me, go home and test it. If that's you and that's a spouse, any of our locations, say, here's my phone. Do what you want. Check them out. But I don't trust them no more. Maybe they did have an affair. Maybe they did cheat. Maybe they did say something. Maybe they, whatever. I just don't trust them anymore. Maybe they said they're at one place and no, they're never at that place. And it may not have been an affair. It may just have been, hey, they're, just, they're, they're not trustworthy. What do you do when you can't trust your spouse? Because I hear this all the time. Can I love them and not trust them? How does that work? Love always trusts. Love always believes. Ugh, I love them, but I don't trust them. How do, you, how do you navigate that? What do you do when you can't trust your spouse? Here's what you do. You trust God. You trust God. Now, the psalmist picked up on this. Now look what he says in Psalm 62. He says, talk to his people. He said, all my people, watch this. Trust in him at all times. The good times, the bad times, at all times. When you can't trust them, trust me. Pour your heart out to me. Pour your heart out to God. Watch this. For he is your refuge. For he is your strength. For he is your stronghold. And so, listen to me, listen to me. God will protect you. You just trust Him. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you know what's going on. I'm going to trust you're there. I'm going to pray because the enemy may be lying to me and there's nothing there. Or maybe where there's smoke, there's fire, and there is something there. And I'm going to trust you and give this to you. When you can't trust your spouse, listen to me, you trust God. And you find your refuge and your strength and your place in Him. You turn to Him. And he promises, the psalmist says, he will protect you. He will protect you if you will just trust and let him become your stronghold. Let him become the place where you run to and your hiding place is in him. And he says, I will protect you. Listen, you got to choose to extend grace. You have to choose to have faith. And here's the third one. It builds right on it. You have to choose to hope for the best. Now, that's a hard place sometime, ain't it? Especially when trust has been broken. I'm going to tr- choose to believe the best in you. I'm going to choose to hope for the best. As we saw here, Hope, always, hope love, love is always hopeful. He said the first that love is always hope. Hope always. Love is always, if I truly love them, I'm going to believe the best is yet to come. But let me tell you something about hope. Hope is not a strategy. You can sit around all you want going, I hope my marriage gets better. I hope my husband changed. I hope my wife changed. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. Don't miss this word. This word it's in the present tense, and it's an active. You don't just sit around and just think, well, I hope someday, I hope maybe someday I'll have the marriage. Hope is not a strategy. Habits are a strategy. If you want to change your marriage, you got to change your habits. We talked about this at Marriage and so the word hope is an active hope, which means this. If I hope, then I need to be showing something active and believing that I'm hoping that it can be changed. What is one thing? There's hundreds of things. But what's one thing I can prove to my spouse or prove to my relationship or prove to myself that I'm hopeful about this relationship? What's one thing I can do? Paul says it. One thing you can do. Not all, but one thing. First Thessalonians 5.11. Look what he says. Encourage one another and build each other up. You know what the problem is with most marriages when they start seeing them to go south? They don't build each other up. They tear each other down. They tear each other down. What if you begin to build each other up? What if you begin to encourage your spouse? What if you begin to lift them up? You know what that shows when you begin to encourage them that I believe in you and I believe the best is yet to come. What if, watch this, what if you begin to treat your spouse like you wanted them, what you wanted them to become? Think about this. Imagine if you begin to treat your husband what you want him to become. You treat him like a loser, what do you expect him to live like? You treat him like a deadbeat, what do you expect him to live like? What if you begin to build your husband up and encourage him? You want him to be the man, then start treating him like he's the man. You want her to be the queen, then you start treating her like she's a queen. See, what if you begin to build them up into what you want them to become? How do you do that? You encourage them. You build them up, not tear them down. And so many people, watch this, I see it all the time. They realize, man, this ain't going nowhere. I'm just in it. And you just keep tearing each other down, cut each other down, cut each other down, cut each other down. And you're wondering, no wonder I have no hope for my marriage to be fixed. Hope is active and hope believes that the best is yet to come. People will rise to the level of your expectation and encouragement that you give them. You even see this in kids. You give them encouragement. You give them expectations. You believe in them. You have, and all of a sudden you'll see them rise to the occasion to what the bar that you set by how you treat them. You know what the number one thing that destroys marriages? You know what the number one thing is? Not affairs, not sexual sin. People, I've, I've, got, I've known num- numerous of couples who've dealt with that and they've got the strongest marriage they've ever had in their life now. Not, mar- not financial issues, that's not what destroys marriages. It is one of the number one things people list as a divorce, but that's not what destroys marriage. Let me tell you what destroys a marriage? Neglect. And you know what so many married couples are doing around? They're neglecting each other. You know why you neglect each other? Because you take for granted they will always be there. You take for granted. I said I do, so they're in it for a long time. They heard Pastor Daniel's message that marriage is forever. They're not going nowhere. They're not going to leave me. But you still come home and bring work home with you, and you pour all your frustration out on your wife who loves you the most, and you assume she's always going to bear that and listen to that for the rest of the And you neglect her, or you neglect him. And you assume there's always gonna be a tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow. And let me tell you, when you see a marriage go south, it's because someone began to neglect the relationship. And you know where there's a sign? You know, the, you know how you know you neglect something? You know what the sign is? Weeds. Weeds. When you go through landscape and you see weeds, that's a sign of neglect. My wife, she always points this out to me. She, she says this, she goes, honey, there's weeds in the landscape. Here's how I hear that. Hey, you have some time this summer to get them out. That's what I hear when she says that. Yeah, Get them out this summer. And then they die because the fall comes, right? And then you come home and there she is outside pulling weeds because I neglected to take care of her. Weeds is a sign of neglect. And if you have weeds in your marriage right now that's trying to choke the life out of you, It's because you neglected somewhere. So here's what happens. A lot of times when weeds grow up, it doesn't look pretty anymore, right? It wasn't pretty as what you thought it was. You said for better and for richer. You didn't want poor and for worse. You're like, it looked good then, but now it looks bad. So here's what happens. You begin to look at your neighbor's yard. Oh, look how green it is over there. Oh, look how fine she is. Well, if I was just married to him, maybe him and I, my relationship would be better. They always got these picture-perfect things on Facebook. They're always traveling over I always try to, you never travel nowhere, And you want to travel like, oh, you start thinking about what if I was with him? What if I was over there? What if I was married to her? And you think the grass is greener on the other side. Listen to me, sir. Won't you come home and start watering your own lawn? Won't you come home and you start dealing with the neglect and the weeds in your landscape? And maybe the dream and the marriage you've always wanted is right here. See, so many people think the grass is greener on the other side, but the problem is you got to cross the septic tank to get there. And it's nasty. Go home. Pull the weeds. Talked about that last week, the baggage. Take it out. Begin to fertilize, sow seeds of love and grace and mercy and encouragement, and begin to build your wife, build your spouse up, and I promise you, I promise you, you'll begin to have the marriage that you've always dreamed of. Stop neglecting her, stop neglecting him, and begin to pour your life out to each other. I must choose to extend grace. I must choose to have faith. I must choose to always hope for the best. here's my fourth one. I must choose to endure through every circumstance. I must choose to endure through every circumstance. Look what verse 7 says. Love endures all things through every circumstance. Listen, don't quit. You know, everybody who just stood up at both of our campuses, their love was tested. And they figured out how to endure, through better for worse. Sickness and health. For richer, for poorer. They figured it out. They fought for their marriage and started fighting each other. Were there a lot of fights? Yes. Did a lot of people thought about leaving? I guarantee they did. Did some people spend a few nights on the sofa and maybe moved out to mom and dad's house? Probably so. But they figured it out. And they endured it. Because love endures through every circumstance. It's always more rewarding to restore the marriage than to run from it. If you take the contract and you tear it up, I'm not in a contract, I'm in a covenant for the rest of my life. Now listen to me. I know you ripped the band-aid off talking about, because some of you here, you come, let's just face it, from a rough marriage, a couple rough marriages, maybe on your third. Listen, no one's here to judge you from all that. I, listen, hurting people hurt people. And I've seen marriage couples after they got to the divorce and realized both of them were in a very toxic, bad place. They moved on to their new relationship, but they're able to, watch well, this, forgive each other and then move forward. Not that they're best friends anymore, but they learn from their mistakes. And your new marriage, let's make this the best one ever. I believe you can have the marriage you've always dreamed of. Absolutely, absolutely. So today, for it, make it. Decision Love's a choice. And I'm going to choose to always forgive, to always believe, to always extend faith, to always hope for the best, to always endure through every single circumstance. So I want to read this last verse to you. Something amazing happens in this story with Jose. I preached on this a long, long, long time ago. But basically, he married a, this lady who's a prostitute gets married and then she turns and goes back to her prostitution lifestyle. She leaves her husband and then one day she finds herself in this basically a human trafficking situation where she's been sold into slavery to be a sex slave and never did her husband ever give up on her. And then God comes to him and he says something that's just so profound. Don't you hear what he says? Hosea 3 1. The Lord said to me, to Isaiah, Go and love your wife again, even though she's committed adultery with another lover. I don't know who needs to hear this, but some of you, watch this. Maybe your wife never committed adultery, maybe your husband's never committed adultery, but you need to go home and love your wife again. You need to go home and love your husband again. Remember the day you stood at the altar and you said, I do for the rest of your life? You need to go home and begin to restore that kindle, rekindle that passion, that flame. Here's how you do it. You didn't get into the mess overnight. You're not going to get in, out of it overnight, but little by little to choose to believe, to sow seeds, to build up, to not tear down, to bring people around me. We're about to launch our groups here. For those of you who've never been in a group here at Better Life Church, you need to find married couples you can get with, that you can love with each other and do life with each other. And Watch this, and build each other up together. But somebody needs to go home and love their wife again. Somebody needs to go home and love their husband again. And let me tell you why. because this love that I just talked about is the love that Jesus extended to you. It's a love that God loves you with. The word love all the way through this is agape love. It's a godly love. It's an unconditional love. Love is patient. Agape love is patient. Agape love always believes. Agape love always endures every circumstance. Agape love hopes for the best. Agape love, watch this, watch this, will extend grace. That's agape. And that's the love that Jesus gives to you. In fact, don't miss this. Watch this, watch this. Go back to Jose real quick. Look what he says. I want you to go love your wife again, even though she's committed adultery with another lover. And then I want you to look what he says. Look what he says. Hosea 3 1. This will illustrate. <laughs> this will illustrate. Israel has turned their back and prostituted themselves to me. They've turned to another lover. They've turned to another God. They've turned to worship idols. But watch this. However, I will come back to you because I still love you. See that beautiful picture of grace? Watch this. You've turned your back on God before. You've done things that you've walked out on God before. And guess what it says? But I'll return to you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And though you may have prostituted yourself out, however you want to look at that to be, may not have been sexual, watch this, I'm coming to you. And I want you to know this morning that Jesus extends His grace to you. That Jesus extends His love to you. Listen to me, sir. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you will never love your wife the way she deserves to be loved until you experience the love and grace of God. Listen to me, ladies. Ladies. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you can never love your husband the way that he deserves to be loved unless you have received the love and grace and mercy from God. The greatest thing you could ever do for your life and for your marriage and for your family, the greatest decision you can ever make is to give your life to Jesus who loves you unconditionally with an agape love. And if you would just give your life to Jesus, experience His total forgiveness, experience His total mercy, and experience His total love, watch this, now I can extend that to my spouse and love them the way that they deserve to be loved. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you if you bow your heads just for a moment. And I have two invitations. Two invitations. Here's the first one. Maybe you realize, you know what? My marriage is either hot, maybe it's lukewarm, or maybe it's cold. Only you can know that because here's what happens. You can come here on Sunday mornings, and you can fake everybody out, you can put your church face on, you can smile, you can act like everything's great at home, but you know if there's issues or not. Here's what I want you to encourage you to do. I want both of you to humble yourself, to be gentle towards each other, and go home and make these decisions. I'm gonna choose to extend grace where I've been hurt. I'm gonna choose to believe that the best is yet to come. I'm going to choose to have faith that God can restore this and heal this. And I'm in it for the long haul. I'm going to choose to endure through all circumstances. And instead of looking somewhere else, wandering somewhere else, dreaming about somebody else, I'm going to go home and I'm going to water my own lawn. I'm going to remove the the weeds. And over time, when the season comes, as I sow, there will be a harvest. And there will be the marriage I've always desired. Listen, would you both please go do that? Your marriage is worth fighting for. Your family is worth fighting for. Here's the second invitation. If you've never given your life to Jesus, there's no way you can love your spouse the way they deserve to be loved. And maybe the greatest thing you can do today is give your life to Jesus. He will forgive you of all your sins. Is that not amazing? All your sins. Every one of your sins. All your faults and flaws. He will forgive you. He will restore you. He's not finished with you. So would you yield and give your life to him? How do I do that, Pastor? Well, the scripture says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we'll be saved. So what I like to do is just walk you through that. And you can pray with me. Now, saying a prayer don't save you, we know that. But your lips can proclaim what your heart declares. And right now, if your heart wants to say, you know what, Jesus, you're the king. You're the Lord. I can't believe that even though I've turned my back on you, you've never turned your back on me. And so you want to yield your life to him. Right where you sit, you could cry out. You could say, Jesus, I believe. To say, I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And right now, as best as I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And help me follow you all the days of my life. That's it? That's it. Well, that don't seem fair. That's called grace. And if that's you, at both of our locations, maybe you are watching online, here's what I want you to do. In just in a moment, you're gonna probably see a number, it's gonna come, it's gonna you can text to. And here's what you're doing. You're just saying, Hey, just let you know, I gave my life to Jesus. We want to pray for you. We just want to pray for you. Maybe he's like, you know what? Go out to the next step area. And it's like, hey guys, this is. want we'll you know I gave my life to Jesus. It's because we want to pray for you. We want to pray for your new journey as you walk with Jesus. There's nothing greater to have people in your corner praying for you. We want to be in your corner. We want to help you. We want to serve you. We want to pray for you. So if that's you, let us know. Father, thank you so much for your word, how relevant it is. Father, I pray right now for marriages that are struggling that you, God, would perform a miracle. That you amend the brokenhearted, you would extend peace and mercy and grace where there's been faults and flaws, and withdrawals taken from our heart that's hurt, that's hurtful. Lord, that you allow him to go home and love his wife again, you allow her to go home and love her husband again, and that God you restore the marriage all the way back to that first day when they said "I do." God, we still do because of your grace and your mercy and your love. Father, I can't wait to see how you change the world through your church because your church have strong families because strong families have strong marriages that reflect your glory and your goodness. We love you, Jesus. In your name we ask and we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Better Life Church. If you'd love to discover more about how you can take your next step with Christ, we'd love for you to visit betterlife.church slash next steps. There you will find help and resources for whatever step God has for you. If you enjoyed this message, we'd love for you to subscribe and be part of our community. You can also join us live on Sundays or find more resources at betterlife.church. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.